Welcome back to the True North A podcast. It's me, Raz, alongside Jesse, and we're coming back to you with a round two recap, a conference final prediction, and then we're going to end off with a little bit of a coyote segment. So let's just start off with the Maple Leafs and Panthers, since that was kind of the biggest upset in round two. What are your thoughts on how this series went? Yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, we'll start. I'll start with the Maple Leafs. Uh, the biggest thing for me with the Leafs is they got that monkey off their back in the first round, beating the Lightning, and we were really confident after that that they would go pretty far. Mm-hmm. But that turned out not to be the case, and so the biggest thing for me was their overtime and the switch in play. So they ended up going 3-0 and against the Lightning in overtime games, and those overtime games... They're in my like they're what make and break the series, mm-hmm. and winning those games is so crucial. So to go three and zero against Tampa, and then to lose both their overtime games against Florida, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I feel sealed their fate, and is a big reason uh, why they lost is just the switch in overtime play because mm-hmm. you know losing those games is tough. It's tough to come back. Uh, you you grind out and you work hard for the entire game. And, uh, yeah, another another thing is goaltending. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Sam Sonoff was injured, and it was it was tough to put Joseph Wall into net at the start of Game 3, being down two games to none in the series on the road. That, like, that's a tough spot to be in for any yeah, goalie. Yeah, you say, you say that it's a tough spot to put in, and I definitely agree. The thing for me, though, about that is that he actually did very well, in my opinion, and... I don't think like it was his fault at all as to how or why they lost that series. Yeah, he's a young goalie and Samsonov got injured, but he was he did he did his job. For no, sure. absolutely, and I I agree with you. Uh, adding on to that, his game four and five performance, he mm-hmm. more than enough gave the Leafs a chance to win. Mm-hmm. He did his job, and so he did he did a great job coming in uh, for Samsonov. You know, he gave them a chance to win. Uh, all the games were one-goal games, right. pretty much, except for one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel goaltending was a big thing. And the emergence of Morgan Riley for the Leafs was pretty key. I know they ended up losing the series, but mm-hmm. just his play throughout the playoffs, I don't think a lot of people thought that he would do so well. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, he's a great defenseman, but to end up with 12 points being second on the team to Mitch Marner. Yeah. I I know I didn't expect it, so he def- his, his play really carried them. He definitely was I mean, you, there's not there's no other way to put this. He was the best player on the ice for the Leafs for a majority of their playoff run. Um a couple of things for me when it comes to this series is, you know, we both had the Leafs in 6, I believe you had them as well. Yeah. And it's a, just a bit mind-boggling that, you know, yeah, Florida won, but Florida won and they didn't make it close either. They got the job done in five games, and I think that was something that surprised a lot of people just after. Because like I said before um, this series started, you know, as soon as the Leafs, a team like the Leafs, you know, went around and get some confidence and finally exercise that demon and they, you know, as a group know that they can win around, it's just, it sucks to see from a hockey standpoint just how... They turned like they couldn't turn it around in the second round, and 
you know, produce the same thing, show the same thing as well. Another thing was that at home, they were terrible against the Lightning, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, they won two, but against the Panthers, they lost all three that they had at home. They yeah. lost the first two, and then they lost the uh, last one to yeah. make it a 3-2 series um, game. But like you said about overtime, they they – couldn't get anything done there. I know Nylander tied that game up uh, in game five. Just like a minute left or a couple minutes left into the game, uh, into the third period, uh, left in the third period, sorry. But after that, Florida just found a way to dominate overtime, and they did the same thing against Boston, and that's what I think really helped them win the series. Yeah, and you talk about at-home, Raz, and starts is everything. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, to not be able to win at home in the playoffs, especially when you have the home ice advantage to start out with, mm-hmm. it can prove very detrimental in the series. Um, a key thing for me, though, on Florida, for Florida, is Bobrovsky. Yeah. And he is the X factor so far in this playoffs. Right. He outbattled the probable Vesna winner in Allmark. Mm-hmm. And... He, he, again, was amazing yeah. in this series. He stole a couple games in this series, yeah. for sure. He has a 9-15 save percentage, and he didn't allow more than two goals in any of the games mm-hmm. against Toronto. Yeah. Like, that's that's a crazy stat. And so, as long as he keeps playing like this, he's gonna they're going to keep yeah. doing well. And before we move on from the talk of home ice advantage and road teams, as we know, this playoffs have, has been a lot of the road teams kind of coming out on top. And I saw a stat the other day that just before last game, which obviously last game Florida won on the road yesterday, which would increase this number. But before yesterday, I saw a stat where it said 57% of games the road team has won. And that's just the complete opposite of what you would expect to see in the playoffs, just because of how crucial home ice advantage has been history-wise. Absolutely. And, you know, they obviously have their their stud in Matthew Kachuk. He yeah. keeps asserting his dominance, this playoffs, with 16 points. And he's just, yeah, he's playing at an MVP level. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, like going back to Bobrovsky, you know, the Panthers were up 3-1. Mm-hmm. 3-1 in the series, going into game five. And he comes out with a 50-save performance, and they win in yeah. overtime. Crazy. Like it, yeah, it's crazy. Like when you're the Leafs at that point, it's you got to take one game at a time. Mm-hmm. And when he plays like that in Game Five, like the Leafs yeah. win that game, there's there's hope. Like yeah. it goes goes to Game Six, mm-hmm. and there's hope. And so, yeah, the goaltending for me is and why the Panthers yeah. is a big reason why the Panthers are so successful. And speak about great goaltending. A goal goaltending that wasn't very good was. You know Vanacek and Schmid in the second round for the Devils. Uh, the Devils against the Canes. Um, I don't know what that, that performance. So I don't know what that performance was. I mean, you see, for Vanacek, I mean, sure, I wasn't expecting too much from him since he got pulled and after the first two games against the Rangers. So I wasn't expecting him to come out and you know be that guy. But Schmid, man, what happened? Like, what happened to this guy? He pretty much stole. Most of that series against the Rangers for the Devils to, you know, propel them into the second round. And then he comes out like that. I mean, New Jer- and New Jersey as a whole, they just came out terribly. They, yeah, they played terribly. And 
They didn't even put up a fight. No. Carolina won in five games. They had that one offensive onslaught where they scored eight goals. And then besides that, they just decided not to play. So yeah, and it was kind of embarrassing. You're, you're talking about Schmidt. He's the whole reason why I had the Devils winning this yeah, series. Yeah, exactly. Just how he stole the series against the Rangers. Yeah. Like He comes in game three. They, they win in overtime against the Rangers. Yeah. And then the rest of the series, they just turned it on yeah. and shut the door. And he was the entire reason why I had the Devils right. winning this series. And to go on the breakdown, like, yeah, let's look at this. So game one, he gets pulled after allowing three goals on 11 shots, you know? Game yeah. two, it's four goals on 25 shots. He and, gets pulled. Yeah, and game three, when they actually won, it was Vanacek in net. Exactly. So I just, yeah, I don't get that. His, yeah, the reason, like, how he went from completely shutting the door mm-hmm. to just opening up the net yeah. and allowing everything and that it's mind-boggling and that's the sort of thing that can kind of happen when you're a young goalie and you don't have that experience of being on a playoff run he came in you know and he you showed what he was about but i think when you've got veteran goalies in that like a Bobrovsky or an anderson or uh, Vasilevsky, you know, they have that experience and they have that the mental, you know, kind of sort of state to stay locked in. And I just don't think that, I mean, obviously he hasn't had that because he's a young goalie and this has been his first few games, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that'll come in time. And the Devils as a whole, they're also a young team. And they let, let's be honest, they beat the Rangers. They weren't expected to beat the Rangers, but no. he came in and stole the game, uh, stole the show. And so, you know, looking out into the future for the Devils, it's probably only going to go up from here. Yeah, and just how he single-handedly disposed of the New York Rangers, who arguably had the best, like, forward core in the league. Definitely the most talented. Yeah, and then how he played against the Hurricanes, it's definitely a head-scratcher. But, you know, I feel like for the Devils, for them to have won the series, they definitely needed more from Mm -hmm. their supporting cast. Guys like Brat, Halla, yeah. Meyer, uh, those guys barely had an impact on this series, yeah. you know, averaging around a point per game. It can't be all on Jack Hughes, unfortunately. Yeah, and one player, well. Yeah, one yeah. player, one, two players, they can't run the show. And it's it's funny to me because you look at Carolina and, I mean, everyone knows that they're a defensive team. They focus on defense first, they lock things down, and then they go and generate offense, right? But... They're not a high-scoring team, and for them if, to see the the scores after each each of those games being they were all high-scoring, yep. all above six goals a game, right? And it's just it's you look at that and you and you think, well, it's a Devils defensive collapse because if you're not scoring as much, well, that's because we know Carolina's a defensive team. But for you to let a team that doesn't score that many goals let a score six goals a game. That's definitely not something that should be happening, and it's a problem that should have been addressed after at least game two. Yeah, and I agree. And with the Hurricanes' like style of play, you know, I was watching um, on Sports Center the other day. They're talking about Brett Burns specifically and how his game has changed from going from uh, more of an offensive defenseman to a defensive defenseman, mm-hmm. and they were logging his ice time and just right. how he's changed his game. He doesn't use as much energy. You know, you talked about the Hurricanes' style of play. They are a defensive-structured team. Yeah. 
their defensemen don't have to go up into the rush. They yeah. can serve energy, yeah. and they let the forwards, you know, get the get the hard forecheck going, and they support with shots yeah. on goal. But yeah, uh, you know, the Hurricanes, they they lock down. They're continuing to do well yeah. on home ice. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, and you know, switching switching now onto the west side. Yeah, we Dallas, have Dallas, Seattle. Dallas Stars and Seattle Kraken. Yeah, this, you know, <laughs> I had Dallas winning. I had them winning in six, but they got the job done. But, yeah, that was a scary one. Um, I know we were talking, and, uh, you know, you said Seattle gave them a run for their money, which they did, and they made it really close. And the thing about the Seattle Kraken is this their depth, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have that star player like we've said before. The closest they've got to that is McCann. Who did return? Yeah. But I mean, he was in a huge impact. I think players like Schwartz, Beniers, that uh, the guy that got called up, Cartier, he mm-hmm. was f- great. Um, yeah, just like the depth they have in their second, third, and fourth lines to uh, help them generate offense. And then, I mean, Grubauer, he was again great, right? Yeah. I thought you know maybe a little bit of that play came from him playing his old team in the avalanche and that might have boosted his confidence a little bit of wanting to beat his old team and i thought you know maybe that would drop a little bit but he stood his ground he continued to play great and he gave the kraken a great chance to win but and you know on looking on the other side of that ottinger who we thought you know obviously he's the best goalie remaining in the playoffs but he had a couple blips. He got oh, yeah. pulled, oh, right? Yeah. But when it came down to the game that mattered in Game 7, he was there, he shut the door, and ultimately that's all that matters, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can say, oh, he played bad in Game 5, oh, he played bad in Game 6, he got pulled. But when it came down to what when it really mattered, he was there, he locked it down, he gave Dallas a chance to get the job done, they did, and now they're on the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and the Kraken did give... The stars more than they could handle uh you know they're very explosive on offense mm-hmm. and you know we saw in that first game pavelski scored four goals and the stars still <laughs> lost it's crazy so yeah like the kraken they definitely could score you know with the emergence of everly mm-hmm. gorge schwartz like they yeah. definitely have they might not have uh for sure superstar but they have yeah. a lot of guys that can get the job done. Exactly. And yeah, you're talking about Ottinger. Like, we haven't seen that from a team so far that's chased them out of the net like that. Yeah. So it was a little bit concerning for Dallas. Like, they got the job done, but yeah, he definitely had some some games where mm-hmm. definitely wasn't his best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he played played well enough when they needed exactly. it. Exactly. And, and in game seven, all that he, really, I mean, he really should have had a shutout. Yeah. Kraken scored with like right. 10 seconds left. Yeah. But yeah, he, he played amazing in that game seven. Yeah. And um, yeah, the Kraken are going to be a good team for and, years to yeah. for years to come. You know, they they switch in a piece here and there. Yeah. They've got they've got the goaltending in Grubauer. Yeah. You know, he's proved that this playoffs. And so they switch the little thing here and there. And, you know, they're there. They had a 100-point yeah. season. Yeah. Um, I like what they're doing. They're fast. They're young for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so, and the stars for the stars, like their biggest thing was, uh, you know, Rupe Hints. Yeah. The, and he's been a great, great X factor for them. Uh, he leads the team with 19 points, second yeah. to only McDavid. I right. know McDavid is 
eliminated. We'll yeah. get that in the next yeah. one. Oh, um, we'll, oh, we'll get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but the thing for me with the Stars, if, if they want to go with the Cup, man, like, they're definitely going to need their big boys to step up. But Jason Robertson, I want to focus on him. Uh, he's had a good playoffs, but I feel like he needs to get some of his confidence back. And yeah. Elliot Freeman and some of the guys were talking about yeah. it on the panel. Yeah. He kind of looks a bit skittish out yeah. there with the puck, and he's dumping it off and not really getting his head up and yeah. making the play. And for me, he needs to get going if they want to keep keep rolling teams. Like he he has two goals yeah. in twelve I had, games. I had this in my little analysis for my conference final predictions, but when you watch Robertson, he's all around the net, right? He's has he's had a bunch of chances and. I think it's just a lot A lot of it, in my opinion, is puck luck. I don't think he's getting a lot of it. It's not like he's been a ghost out there. He has had his chances, but none of them have seemed to, you know, find the back of the net. But I do agree he needs to play a little less scared because no. I do see the little nervousness that yeah. you're talking about in his play. But and, and speaking of Robertson him and him being that star, him not being the guy that is getting the – getting all the goals or getting most of the offense done, it really speaks to how Hintz has been, how Wyatt Johnson has been, how Sagan has been, Ben has been, Pavelski, Heiskin, all these guys. Even Domi, he was great in that second round as a role player. And yep. just speaking to... Donoff as well. Yeah, and just speaking to that forward group itself is... And I, that's what I think is helps Dallas make it to the final and why I think there's a good playoff team is because... They get contribution from all lines. Yeah, and I think he'll find his goal scoring. It'll come yeah. back to him. Yeah, you know, you obviously want to see more than two goals for a guy of his caliber. Yeah, but yeah, they'll get back to him. And for the Kraken, just ending off here, they had their chances, man. Yeah. Like they're up one one zero in the series, two mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, the problem with them is they couldn't win back to back games. Yeah. Every time they had Dallas a little bit by the throat, they couldn't keep their momentum going, mm-hmm. and win back-to-back games to uh, stretch the series yeah. and strengthen their growth. And every time Dallas was down, they came back not only with a win, but with a huge win. Yeah. So they really they really showed that they weren't going to go away. And I think that might have, I don't want to say scared the Seattle Kraken, but it showed the Kraken that these guys are going to go away and they're going to come back hard after a loss. And Ottinger was kind of like Skinner. Every time he got pulled mm-hmm. in those two games, he came back. With a with a great performance, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, moving on to the last the last series, we have the Edmonton Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights, and so I'm just gonna take this one away mm-hmm. just for a second here. Um, yeah, the Oilers, I mean, they played a great series. Like, let's let's be honest, the Vegas, I don't know who was favored, but Vegas was obviously the one seed, right? And we know that. But for me, the Oilers' downfall was goaltending. And I think it's pretty obvious. Um, Skinner was not very good. And it's not that he was just not very good. He was inconsistent. Mm -hmm. He had a couple games where he allowed one goal. And then a couple games where he allowed four or five goals. And unfortunately, in the playoffs, you you can't have that. You know, you... You have to be consistent, and that was the problem. You know, you saw, um, I believe it was in game four or five, where the Oilers were 
up 2-1 or down 2-1, and Vegas scored three goals in a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And No, it was game five because the series was tied. It was game five, and the, and the Vegas Knights, they scored three goals in a minute and a half, mm-hmm. right? And they won that game. And that was the turning point because at that time, it's the best out of three series. And winning that game five, I don't know the exact statistic, but it's like 80 Two percent or something like that. The team who wins that game wins the series when going in tied. And they did the same thing the next game. You know, yeah. they were down two one. Marshall still came back with three. Exactly. And they locked it down. The thing for me about the Oilers is, I mean, you can't deny the fact that almost seventy percent of their offense comes off the power play. Um, you know, they've got two of the best players in the world that got them by the first series, but. You can't rely on them to carry you through four rounds of hard hockey, especially when you're double shifting them. Mm-hmm. Because anyone that watches or watched that series or watches an Oilers game in general, as soon as this team is down, they start double shifting McDavid and Drysaddle, and they'll rotate them on Hyman's line or Kane's line or with Yamamoto. And I mean, after after seven or eight games back to back to back with a daybreak, how it usually is, they're gonna get tired. You need to have better depth, and this has been a problem for the Oilers for a bunch of years. Is They added Hyman, they added Kane, but in that second series, where were those guys? Mm-hmm. They were nowhere to be found. Hyman played great against LA, then all of a sudden he was gone. And defensively, Ekholm is their best defenseman, but besides that, who is there? In my And some people might say Darnell Nurse is getting more hate than... Is warranted but he's not very good he doesn't know where he is on the ice and another guy who was not very good was DeHarnay he was not good at all I don't know I don't know where they found him yeah but basically it was Ekholm and Kulak that were kind of oh sorry and Bouchard yeah Bouchard is definitely uh another guy that carried even offensively on the power play he's got a rocket of a shot and he's probably their best defenseman along with Ekholm but I mean yeah I just you can't really you can't really win you can't expect to go to the cup finals if all you're gonna do is score on three out of your four power plays no and you're talking about uh, you mentioned Bouchard like for me he's the emergence of him in this playoffs is similar to Riley like no one would have thought that he would have had 17 points through 12 games yeah and for me, the Oilers, they have they have the right pieces, man. Like, three top three of the four guys in the league in points is the Oilers. You know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Bouchard. They ended up yeah. top four. Like, and where where they, is Nugent Hopkins all this playoffs who had 100 points? He no was a ghost seen. out there. But, yeah, like, they definitely they have the talents. Um, but it, it all came down to goaltending, you know. For me, I don't want to say that Vegas got lucky because they didn't. But... Aiden Hill going in for Bressois. Aiden Hill was a stud in game six. He played played better than Bressois, let's be honest. He was insane. So I don't want to say it's lucky that Bressois got injured, but the Oilers kind of lit Bressois up in the first couple games. And when Aiden Hill came in, like they are talking about, he he played really well. And he saw the puck you And you look at the difference between the two teams. Um, We saw Edmonton go up a bunch in the first round against L.A., Two goal leads here, two goals, two goal leads there, and defensively they weren't able to sustain that. LA came back in almost every game they were down, and they took it to overtime, right? And just looking at the next series, 
when Vegas got the lead, like you said, they scored three goals in that game five, and then they did the same exact thing in game six. The difference there was they had the defensive unit to sustain that one, even one goal lead. All they needed was a one goal lead, and they were able to. A lot. I mean, yeah, gotta give credit to Hill in that last game because mm-hmm. without him, I Oilers definitely controlled that third period, but. They kept the Oilers to the outside, and they had their defensive structure in place to sustain that one goal lead. And you know they didn't really need much more offense. Yeah, and for me, it just yeah, you know, it just wasn't it just simply wasn't good enough from Stuart Skinner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you can put you can put partial blame to the fact that he's a rookie. Yeah, and he hasn't had playoff experience. Yeah. And I can understand that that that's a big spot to put him in. But I but the thing is for me. Is you seen like what Jack Campbell has done so far in this playoffs, right? Like he's been in there for like six periods and he's allowed mm-hmm. two goals, and he was instrumental in why they were able to beat the Kings. Because you saw he mm-hmm. came in, they were down three nothing in LA. The Kings were up two to one in that series, and the Oilers managed to win that game. So he proved very pivotal of how they even made it to the second round. So for me, I just don't like. Woodcroft's approach to yeah. oh well let's get let's let Skinner get pulled and then we'll put Camel in for a bit and then we'll give Skinner the next starting game. Well, that's exactly. And I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. I feel like Camel yeah. should have been implemented in this series earlier. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Is yeah. that you know you, you can blame Skinner for his performance a little bit, but a lot of the blame does have to go to Woodcroft. As I was gonna say, he covered most of it, but. When you pull your goalie in game five and you're on to the next game that possibly rides on your elimination, you need to go with a goalie that has been better for you, especially after the one you keep going back to has gotten pulled in exactly. the majority of the games. Also, the fact that if you look up um, Jack Campbell's stack, stats against Vegas, he's been very good. I think he's, I don't want to say exactly what it is, but. He has a winning record against the Vegas Golden Knights. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of talk was about how his record is against the Knights and why he wasn't given a chance earlier to prove that stat. Yeah. But yeah. and yeah, so that was yeah, like that was the biggest thing. And as far as Vegas goes, like we saw their talent come to effect. When they got goals, it was in bunches usually most of the time. And yeah, like Jack Eichel, he's having himself a playoffs. Uh, so far, he's lead, lead leading the team with 14 points. And, you know, you got guys like the Chandler Stevenson, who's mm-hmm. brought up his game. Marcia So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Marcia So just... Yeah. This, this game six is like, yeah, I'm going to turn it on now. I'm not going to do anything for the first round. But, yeah, this game... Game six, Let's Clay go, Thompson. boys. Yeah. And like, so, yeah, the, the biggest thing yeah, for me was goaltending. But, obviously, the Knights, they're... They're veteran. They're full of veteran guys, and their decor. Yeah, Knights, it's so much better than the Oilers. Their Knights, Knights defensive game is what yeah. propelled them past them. And you know, I know we saw some stuff with <laughs> Petrangelo and the Oilers and Nurse, but oh, you know, God, I don't, I didn't understand like what was going on there with the suspensions and yeah, you know, like that was it was just a cross really, check here, yeah. a dirty slash from Petrangelo and Drysaddle. Yeah, and you know a lot of that happens in playoff hockey. But one thing that you know was a little, and Drysaddle has a knack to do this. But if you saw in the 
handshake line. He kind of, I mean, it's disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, the series is over. What happens in the, in the game uh, stays in the game. You don't need to drag it out into a respectful kind of handshake yeah, that I agree. happens in every series at the end. Yeah. You, you know, you give your your good your good games, your good jobs to the other team, and all you needed to do was look him in the eye for a couple of seconds, say good game, and move on. You didn't have to make a big production of, you know, purposely not looking at him, giving him a little tap with your hand. Yeah. Like, you need to calm down, right? Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but, yeah, for me, like, again, the Oilers, they just, you know, they need better goaltending. Yeah. Uh, I'd say if you run this back another ten times, the Oilers at least take five of those series. Uh, it's not like Vegas walked all over them. And it's going to be interesting because McDavid only has a couple years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And if the Oilers can't make it past the second or third round and make it to the cup final to at least give him a chance, I it's an honest question of whether he's going to be back with the Oilers. Well, you see all these players yeah. that want to show loyalty their, to their fans and their coaches and supporters but how much longer yeah. are the Oilers not going to be able to make it to the finals and, and he for McDavid to stay there? And he says, you know, oh, I want to win with this group. We we as a group want to win. I don't want to win anywhere else. But like you said, in a player's individual career, their goal is to win a cup. And yeah. it's going to be only about, it's going to be in a matter of time before his viewpoint of wanting to win with this core changes to I need to win a cup before my time is done. And you look at you know all the all the trades this year in free agency mm-hmm. uh, or all the guys that were acquired Kane and Tarasenko they went to the Rangers to win a cup. Yeah. They didn't do their they didn't go there to rebuild or yeah. screw around. They went there to win a cup. They have they're already Stanley Cup champions before yeah. they went to the Rangers. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, yeah, okay, guys, yeah. I've never won before. Yeah. Like, let's go win. Like, yeah. no, they want to win again. And the thing, and is, same with Timo Meyer yeah. with the Sharks. The Sharks, you know, they've been not, historically yeah. bad. They're not gonna do. He that. wants to go to the Devils, yeah, because he wants to win yeah. a cup. So these guys, they want to go to teams that are contenders, and they want to win cups. That's the biggest motivation. And I think what should be different in McDavid's mindset is that he needs to do it. If he realizes that this team and the team, the way they're built right now, isn't going to be able to make it to the cup final, I think, in my opinion, that he needs to realize that earlier because when you look at players like, you know, Iginla and Thornton, they like, they wanted to win, they never won a cup throughout their entire career with the same team. You know, Thornton on the Sharks, Iginla on the Flames. And they then moved, you know, uh, Thornton went to Toronto. Iginla went to, you know, Boston, L.A., Colorado, Pittsburgh, right? But by that time, there was only a few years left in their career, and they couldn't really get to that point. Even Thornton tried to go to Florida, yeah. right? But, I mean, I feel like if you're going to wait that long, the likelihood of you being able to go and win a cup is going to be less and less as the years go by. So if he, you know, in the next couple of years, like you said, his contract's over. If they're not doing anything more than making it to the conference finals or getting out in the second round, I would, I highly suggest that you know he kind of chooses a different path because he is the greatest player in the world, and yeah. it would be a shame to see someone like McDavid go through uh, the NHL without winning. Yeah, and it's also going to be interesting with Drysaddle as mm-hmm. well 
because you know like how close a relationship those two guys have yeah and i don't know in my mind i don't really see a universe where they don't play together Mm -hmm. and so a possible package for those two would be really interesting from a from a team's perspective about how much uh a team is willing to give up for possibility of those two players because they would obviously probably want to play together if they were to leave edmonton right um wonder which team could afford that but yeah especially since mcdavid is going to get a raise yeah like he's already making a lot but i mean we saw <laughs> the rangers be able to afford patrick yeah Jerry Seiko, just so. give the just give the wild a couple fourth round picks and they'll take on some salary like yeah. they have been right yeah holy but yeah i mean let's get on to the next round here conference finals have been set uh a first game between in the eastern conference finals was yesterday but um our picks were made before that, obviously. Absolutely. Just couldn't find the time to get this going. But, yeah, our picks are definitely made before any of the series started, so that does not influence uh, any of our decisions. But let's start off in the West. Uh, yeah, conference final, Western Conference Finals, Vegas Golden Knights, Dallas Stars. Um, I've got the Stars in seven. You know, I said before the playoffs that I was – high on Dallas and you know I expected them to do some damage in the playoffs and you know so far they have proved me right so that being said I'm going to continue to ride on the stars on the stars wagon um I think this series is going to be very tight you know definitely think it's going to go seven games um and you know either either team could pull out the win Uh, I know we talked about this before but the key advantage I see Dallas having in, you know, offense, defense, goaltending is goaltending. Um, Jake Ottinger in the playoffs, I'm going to pick at every day, any day. Um, we talked about this before as well, how he got pulled. He had a couple of mistakes, but was still solid enough for the t- uh, Stars to pull out the win. Um, and one one key thing about Vegas is that they don't have that go-to number one goalie, right? Uh, Leonard's been hurt the whole year, and he was going to be their starter before the year even started. But, you know, they've kind of been switching between Thompson, um, Brossois, and Hill. Thompson's hurt. Brossois now hurt. I want to see if we're going to see Jonathan Quick. You know, you know, I would love to see Jonathan Quick, but regardless of who plays between Brossois, Hill, and Quick, they're not going to be able to play. I mean, who knows? Like, you can't say that, but yeah. just speaking on statistics and history, Ottinger is definitely the better goalie out of mm-hmm. all three of those guys, and that's got to be a key factor. I think Vegas has scoring depth a little more than Dallas, but I don't think it's by a huge margin either. Um, Stone, Eichel, Stevenson, Marcia, so they're all going to be able to put the puck in the net. They're going to be dangerous, but counter counteracting that would be Hints, Ben, Pavelski, and Sagan, right? They have sort of the exact kind of same of uh, scoring depth there, and I think both um, both offenses are going to go at it for sure. But when it comes down to who gets the job done in the series, I think it comes down to which goal is going to outplay the other one. Yeah, and I want to break it down the same way. So I'm going to go offense, defense, and goaltending. Uh, offensively, I'm going to take the Stars. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I'm going to take the the Knights, and goaltending, I'm going to take the Stars, and that's why the Stars I'm predicting going to win in seven games is because they get the edge there. Yeah. So offensively, they both got good offenses, and we've seen that. But for me, a really underrated um, forward core is the Dallas Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they have like obviously Ben Sagan, um, 
Domi, Marchman, Dodonov, yeah. Johnson, Rupi, Rupi Hintz, Robertson. That that's underrated for me, and yeah. it's something that's maybe not talked about enough. Is yeah. how good their forwards are. Yeah. And so for me, the Stars get the edge in uh, the offense category. Uh, defensively, Vegas has the edge. You look at guys like Petrangelo, Martinez, McNabb, um, White Cloud. Uh, I just feel like they're a lot more dominant. You know, yeah, the Stars have Haskinen, but mm-hmm. for me, that's yeah, that's no, really it. The, the decor is yeah. really and good for then Vegas. Then goaltending, obviously, Aiden Hill has played better and played really good, but it still doesn't compare, like you said, to Ottinger and what he's done. Yeah. And just looking at the series in general, it's going to be tight. You know, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a grind. But the veteran experience on the stars with guys like Ben and Sagan, who have been there, have won Mm -hmm. to the cup final, and Pavelski. As well. Yeah. Those guys, they're going to talk to their team. You know, they're going to do whatever they need to do, but they're going to find a way to win. And that's what what pushes them over the edge uh, for me. Yeah, definitely can see this going both ways, but yeah, sticking to the stars. Yeah. I think they're going to the final this year. Don't know if they're going to win because <laughs> the two teams on the East, which we're going to get into yeah, right now, are, are actually crazy, crazy good. Yeah. And it's going to be tighter than I, like, okay, I'm just going to go out and say I had the Hurricanes in six, right? I'm, yeah. I have the Hurricanes in six. That's my prediction before the series started. But yeah, that game yesterday, oh, I don't even know where to start on that. It I, was a I triathlon. Think I, it's probably going seven games after that. They played more than a game. You know, I came I came back from work at around you know six. The game started, had some food, then I went went to uh, my ball hockey game, and I come back at around eleven something, and I turn on the TV and it's like we're heading to fourth overtime. And I'm like, what is going on? Because, you know, the first period and the, and the second period were kind of loose. Jarvis got that opening goal. Um, and, I mean, obviously both goalies were dialed in that game. I know you watched more of it than I did. But, I mean, before we – I don't even know what that game was. but Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> for me, I watched the last 10 minutes of the third period and all the overtimes. Yeah. And, yeah, it was it was more than two games played. And that's going to be a real test is we obviously have our predictions in. Yeah. But for me, how does Carolina respond in game two mm-hmm. after going through that triathlon event and losing in game one at home? That's yeah. a pretty hard pill to swallow. Yeah. So they got to flush it out of their system, yeah. not think about Forget it, about take it. what they need to take away for learning points yeah. and move on to game two. But I don't know what well, we've never we haven't seen a game like that in the playoffs so far. We've seen yeah. overtime, double overtime, maybe. Yeah, but I mean that that yeah. was definitely uh, definitely fun the, to watch. The last time we saw a game like that was twenty twenty, the Blue Jackets yeah. and Lightning. That went six overtimes. I don't even know what they're doing what they were doing in that game. They weren't <laughs> even playing at that point. But this came close for sure. Um, yeah, and obviously as the game goes on, you're getting more tired and tired, but there were so many chances throughout that whole game where it could have been a, it's going to have been such a different game, but I mean, we talked about Montour having three quarters of the net open, Frederick Anderson not even looking and he gets hit in the mask. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, Aho and Jarvis had a couple just slip right through their feet. I know Aho hit the post and yeah. uh the, the fourth yeah, the fourth overtime. Um, you know, Bennett had a slight breakaway. Duclair was right in the slot at one point, didn't even get a shot on net. So you just, it, it's it's funny to see how tired these players can get and how bad they start playing after like six periods. But as a general analysis for me on the entire series, disregarding that first game, to me, the Canes have proven that you know, having some key forwards that are injured like Svechnikov, Teravainen, and Pacioretty don't really affect their ability to produce offense because players like Nosen, you know, Natchez, Jarvis, um, those guys have been able to step up. And even Drury has been good as well. Um, yeah, defensively and offensively, they've got massive depth. Um, and the thing with Carolina is they've kind of been here before and they know what it takes to reach this sort of conference level, but they've never been able to get over that hump, you know. But I do think that just the the experience they have, um, being constantly being in like that mix of the final four, final six, are gonna hopefully propel them into the finals. Um, I also think the way that you know key forwards um, for Florida, you know Kachuk, Bennett, and Verhage were able to expose kind of the Leafs defense and get chances or more offensive chances than they are going to against uh, the Canes just because of how deep their defensive lineup is. You know, Slavin, uh, Pesci, Burns, right? They're all big, um, big shutdown guys. And so it's going to be, and we saw, I mean, we saw that yesterday. It was a low-scoring game, right? 2-2, 3-2 in overtime. But, yeah, and a key difference maker for me in this series, obviously, again, is going to be Bobrovsky. It's going to, he's been playing phenomenally and, you know, as as good as the Carolina Hurricanes are and how complete they are, if he steals a few games, which, you know, he ended up... they Like, both goalies played great yesterday, but he ended up yeah. stealing that game just because, you know, mm-hmm. he did make 12 more saves, and they ended up winning, right? Yeah. So that's a game where you could consider that he stole, making 50-whatever saves, right? I mean, that's insane. And yeah. so if um, they do that, that's, there's definitely a good shot at Florida making the finals. And another thing I want to say is that you know, we've seen before a team that sneaks into the playoffs as the eighth seed and can find a way to get going is scary. It, we're seeing it in basketball with the Miami Heat, yeah. another Southern Florida. Right. And if we remember the Kings a while ago, um, they came in at the eighth oh, yeah. seed and they just tore everyone apart, right? Like, I mean, I think one of those years, right, they were down 3 0 against San Jose, Sharks. the Sharks, yep. right? And, like, that's just like, that's the confidence you play with where you're, where you feel like nothing's going to stop us, no matter how down we are. And I think Florida recognized that when they were down 3 1 against Boston. They mm-hmm. just came together, and since that game, they've been rolling. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I have, I have the Hurricanes in seven, you know, both the East and the West, I have in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like like you said, the Panthers barely snuck into the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think there was a whole lot expected as far as their ceiling went. Uh, they were the President's Trophy winners last year. Mm-hmm. I you know I had them going. Yeah, I had them winning the cup in my yeah. bracket. But it's just funny to me how they switched playing from last year to this year. You know they lose Uyghur and Huguerdo mm-hmm. and Drew. Like they lose guys like that, and yeah, they get Kachuk. But to see the difference in play from a team that's President's Trophy to being the eighth seed is mm-hmm. a really big thing for me. And yeah, when you have Bobrovsky playing like that, 
like he yeah. is now. Like he's back to Vesna Bob. Yeah. I bashed him at the start of this playoffs from what he did last yeah. year. I mean, we all did, right? Yeah. No one expected this. And so for him to just, you know, turn back to his former self, you know, winning two Vesnas, like giving me that looks Columbus like, Blue Jackets. Yeah, he looks like that goaltender right now, and he looks dialed in. Yeah. And the Panthers, you're right. They're playing. They're playing loose. You know, we saw Toronto. We want Florida. That did yeah. that did end up too. And well. you don't want to you don't want to poke that you don't want to poke that cat. No, don't and want to. You just you can't do that. And the the Panthers, you're right. As soon as they they knew that they could take a game or two yeah. off Boston, they're like, okay, let's get things rolling here. We can beat this team. We can beat any yeah. team. And I like their way they're playing. You know, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see it. Like they're they playing, want they're, it. Yeah, they're playing they fast. Uh, their forecheck is just insane yeah. sometimes it's just fun. the amount of pressure that they can generate in the offensive zone and put pressure on the defenseman of the opposing yeah. team is something to watch sometimes and, and it's funny you mentioned that we want florida because you know a lot of people think that whatever is said by fans or by media is not really regarded by the players in the room but you know we all know kachuk heard that and he definitely talked about it in one of his uh, interviews and so you know you're gonna say stuff like we want florida the team's gonna the team's gonna hear that kachuk heard that the rest of the team heard that, and you know what? As much as you might not want to admit it, they definitely took that to heart, and they use that to propel some energy. And there's like there's too many things that are similar here between the this series and uh, you know the basketball that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the same with the the Lakers and the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets are up two zero in the series, yeah. but all you're hearing is still about LeBron and the yeah, Lakers and how they're gonna win. Yeah. So it's the same because even the Nuggets coaches and players like Jamal Murray yeah. said yesterday, yeah, like they're talking about them and whatever, yeah. but we're just we're just winning games and yeah. we're gonna go win the chip. So yeah. they the players definitely hear it and so do the coaches and I feel it just adds more fuel to the fire. Exactly for them for them to go out and uh, play their best. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, for me, what it boils down to is the Hurricanes the Hurricane system. You know, mm-hmm. they have arguably well my favorite defenseman so far left in brett burns mm-hmm. arguably the best defensive defenseman mm-hmm. um and, yeah. and the thing of their just before you move on the thing about burns that i like is that he can do both you know he can move the puck up and he's also a stay-at-home guy absolutely yeah and yeah like they get they get the gang table back mm-hmm. you know and with guys like natius and aho uh just their whole their whole structure, I, I just like it, you know. Brindamore has got them playing hard, and he's whatever he's saying or drawing up, it's working, and they're playing as a one unit. And if they continue to do that, they gotta they gotta. For me, that's what pushes them over the Panthers. And yeah, you know, Bob is playing really well, and again, we saw that yesterday. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna find a way, and. Just how they've been playing, especially at home. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that gives them an advantage. Yeah, and you know, I might regret betting against Florida for the third time. They yeah, pulled up. I was they, just gonna say, they, I yeah. this is the third third time yeah. to charm possibly with Boston yeah. and Toronto, but Hurricanes, please don't prove me wrong. They've pulled out two upsets now, so and I mean, yeah, you beat Boston, Toronto, you can beat anyone, right? Yeah. But when you look at when you look at uh, what we're diving into. It's hard to bet against the Kings just because of how well their team is made up. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be tight series, and uh, I think whoever makes it into the final is going to be a 
whichever one of the two or the four make it to the finals, I think it's going to be be a fun one this year. No, and this series is going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, we already saw the first game, obviously, but it's just, it's funny to Got see. Got an extra game in there yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it's funny to see the different players, you know? Like, you had fucking Montour smiling every yeah. like every time he got a shot or a goal yeah. in, the, in the overtime he was yeah. he was smiling and just yeah. laughing to himself yeah. and I found that so funny in just like a pressure moment like right. that and then you had the panel calling Gudis like Blackbeard and yeah. some crap like that <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be funny, funny to watch yeah but, yeah but those are yeah those are predictions you know we'll see how they pan out so far, I think I'm averaging about fifty percent. So I'll take it. But I don't know what I'm averaging, but <laughs> it's probably around there, maybe a bit less. Yeah, but uh, let's let's talk about something that hits a little closer to home for us. Literally, um, literally, yeah. For most of the year, the the Coyotes. I mean, we we me and me and you talked about it before. You know, we thought that. It was gonna have they were gonna have a good shot at getting that deal through. You know, mm-hmm. I did a story for um for one of my classes, so I was really involved with uh, keeping up to date on how that was going because I mean for us it's pretty important. Like hockey's are probably one of our favorite sports. I know Jesse is a big football guy, but for me hockey's my favorite sport, and that's that's the one sport that I care about the most, right? And so Definitely. For that to be kind of taken away from where we are living for 10 months out of the year for the next years is going to be, yeah, you know, kind of hard to deal with because, you know, we go to the games all the time. And when you're getting $25, $35 tickets to watch NHL games, you're going to take that. Right. And uh-huh. so, I mean, we do have it for next year at mullet, which is, which is good to see, but yeah, I don't know. It's just the coyotes. For me, it, for me it's the support. Um, just the state of Arizona itself. It just, there's just to me, there's just not enough support and we for hockey see it. right now. We see it all around us. Uh, it's just not something that's that's talked about enough, mm-hmm. and there's not maybe enough education. I know you're yeah. talking to me about like what's going on, but yeah, yeah, for hockey, it's just not something that uh, they take maybe seriously or want to implement, yeah. or that's something that they think is gonna grow. Yeah. Because um, yeah, they obviously they had the vote. It it didn't go well at all. Like yeah. they failed in all three sections. Yeah. And it's just not what you want to see when you're right. Like hockey is like awesome yeah. in the state of Arizona. Like yeah. the Coyotes, you know, they've been around since ninety three. Ninety three, yeah. So, and yeah, they've went from Phoenix to Arizona, yeah. and whatever. But I feel like they need to stay there. There's yeah. talks that they could go to a bigger city such as Houston, yeah, and stuff like that. But for the players and the true diehard fans. There is, and there is a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, everyone says Arizona doesn't have their a uh, lot of fans, but we've been to Mullet, we've been it's around packed. Tempe, and there's, yeah, it's not as big of a market as Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, you know, Boston, but it's not like no one gives a crap about hockey there. Yeah, and you know, me and you go to the ice den every couple weeks there, and you know, there's. People playing hockey, they've got the Shane Doan rink, they got the Coyotes practice rink, they've got minor hockey there that actually is pretty good. And so, you know, the youth hockey uh, part of this is also growing down in Arizona. And I just think that, you know, getting rid of the team in the state is going to just kind of decline the rest of the kind of growth that it's starting to show. But it sucks because 
it seems as if the public has spoken in a sense as we don't want you. Yeah. And it's definitely not not really fun to hear, yeah. I imagine. But for them for diehard um, coyotes, yeah, especially. It definitely sucks. And when you look at the team, like this is a young team yeah. full of grade A players and prospects. They're gonna like they're be gonna be so good. good. They're yeah. gonna be so good. So for them to be sold to another city and to move it just, I would feel very upset if I was, if my, right. if the Coyotes were my number one team, yeah. I'd feel very upset. Yeah. Because not only is your team potentially going to be moved, yeah. but all your players are going to switch too. Exactly. And we saw, you know, Clayton Keller's dad tweet out yeah. that Clayton Keller wouldn't be back next season. And yeah, we don't know what's happening with that. We don't know what, <laughs> and he says he was hacked, but. It was, he and was I, not hacked. I, I don't, it's, it's BS. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything, but I mean. What are the chances you're getting hacked for a few minutes right when the vote comes out? Yeah. And then I Keller mean, responds you, to the emoji. You take what you want from that. That's all I'm going to say about that. But and it's definitely a little weird. You also have an influencing, like, you know, we saw Cooley yeah. opted, to, opted to play another year I wonder college. why. Yeah. Why so would you opt? Like, you're ready for the NHL. You Obviously, you want to go to the NHL. The NHL wants you, but you're drafted by the Coyotes, so you're like, Nah, yeah, this this I'm gonna wait till they're in Houston. Yeah, and, and I just you yeah. gotta think that it influences decision. It definitely does. Because yeah. for them to for the deal not to get through, and then a couple days later yeah. he opts to play another year of college. Yeah. You know, it's definitely definitely concerning. And a lot of people that that are, you know comment on all these posts and stuff, left saying let it die, let it die. You know, this doesn't work. Yeah, you're right, but you gotta think about the people who actually care about it you know there are still a large group of people that would love to see hockey in the desert um you know it it builds to a bunch of other things like i already said like the youth hockey and all that but um you know they they it's good to see that the coyotes franchise themselves are you know trying to work out other solutions to stay in um, Arizona, I know they had like a fan vote on their Twitter or Instagram or whatever that, you know, was asking their followers, where would you like us uh, to build I said there? Scottsdale. I said Scottsdale as well. I just think that's, it's, I mean, it's the nicest part of Arizona yeah. and it's going to, it's going to be where it brings the most people there. Um, yeah, it just sucks that it didn't work in Tempe because I mean, I don't know who, which, how many of you guys saw the what it was projected to look like, but it was looking damn nice, <laughs> yeah. damn nice. You know, restaurants, <laughs> sports books, hotels, yeah. the arena, the little like internal like courtyard section, yeah. like, and and you don't and, want that, <laughs> and you don't want that, and yeah. you want a toxic landfill to just stay there over hockey like you hate hockey that much that you rather have a toxic landfill take up that space in and you know another thing i saw, uh, saw an interview of this guy talking about he said oh i don't want my tax dollars to go to this yeah. your tax dollars aren't going to the build the process of building this right this is privately funded and What's even more funny about this thing is all these Tempe residents are going to have to pay, their taxes are going to eventually go towards cleaning up that landfill in a couple of years. And you're getting two, two, two kind of wins at the same time, you know? Exactly. Getting rid of that landfill and getting... Something new. Something new and not even like, okay, you don't care about hockey. Fine. We get it. It's Arizona, right? But what about all the 
extra jobs that you were going to get with that? What about yeah. the uh, revenue? What about the restaurant money, you know? And the hotels, the tourism, all that was coming with this. And it's funny that you just mentioned that because that was going to be the next thing I was going to say is I was going to take another angle on this. And how does it impact everyone for them to move? Like, how does it impact all the jobs Yeah. and everything, all the people that are associated with the Arizona Coyotes? Yeah. Like, you're talking about season tickle holders, yeah. right? Like, they move, like, they're not going to have anyone to watch now, yeah. right? So there goes their fun. Yeah. Uh, you look at obviously, you know, the yeah. the players and coaches. Like, yeah. it's gonna be different. different yeah. yeah. And and then yeah. yeah, you look at whatever management and fundraising yeah. and everything. Like, it's not just as simple as okay, guys, let's pack her up. We're gonna yeah. move to Houston. Right. Like it impacts so much more people and, than you think. And yeah, it's not the same as you know, basketball or football mm-hmm. with the popularity and the amount of people, yeah. but it still impacts a large portion. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it would, it would definitely, it would just not be, not be very great for those yeah. people. And, you know, being bad and crappy for a bunch of years doesn't help. No. The attendance, but also uh, one thing we could look at as well is, you know, you're talking about the season ticket holders, right? And that was just that just brought to my attention, like, okay, let's say they move to Houston, right? You regardless of where the team is, they're still in the same place in terms of how good they're gonna be. Yeah. So you think that moving to Houston or Salt Lake City and being crap there for the next three, four years still is gonna what, get you all these new season ticket holders in Houston and Salt Lake? Like they're not gonna buy that either. Yeah. Like look at what the look at the Blackhawks. As soon as they got Connor Bedard, oh, God. two million, two million yeah. worth of season ticket. But who's gonna be buying season tickets to this to this roster? Whether whether it's the Coyotes or the whatever the team will be named in Houston or Salt Lake City or Sacramento for that matter. I don't and I don't get that Sacramento talk. Like you want four teams in California where barely anyone. Like it's not like there's much more support there than it is in Arizona. No, no, there's not. And the Sacramento teams aren't very good either. Yeah. Like, you look at the Kings. This is their first time in the playoffs in, like, 17 years. Yeah. And, yeah, anyways, though, for yeah. for the for the state of Arizona, you know, there's been talks. It's not 100% over yet for the Coyotes. It's not. They have some other, other options, yeah. other plans. We'll just have to see where this goes. You know, we're entering our second year, so yeah. ideally... You know, I would want this to be just delayed as yeah, much as possible. Exactly. Just, you know, play you know? at Mullet for another two, three yeah. years. Stay there for three out. years and, and you know. If you want to move out yeah. tonight, you know, go for it. <laughs> it doesn't but work out, it doesn't work out. While we're there and whatever, yeah. paying the amount of money we yeah. are, I would I would definitely like them to stay there. It would, it would, like, I don't, I can't express how bad it would suck if the Coyotes weren't there for the last three of our years. But, no, and especially because yeah. what we're doing is sports-oriented, yeah. right? That's our whole kind of yeah. major yeah. and goal. So exactly. that would it'd definitely be unfortunate. Yeah, but uh, that's going to be it from us today. Um, Yeah, thank you for listening thank to the... Thank you guys for listening and true, tuning in. Yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for listening to the True North A podcast, and uh, we'll be back to break down sort of the conference finals and then... We'll see who makes the finals and give our predictions on who we think is going to win the cup. But see you guys guys. for now.